Welcome to PharmaTalk Radio. I'm Kate Woda. I'm pleased today to share a cell and gene therapy debate from the IO360 2020 Summit on the topic of centralized versus decentralized manufacturing. Participants included Dr. Boro Dropilich of Lentigen and Dr. Patrick Hanley of the Children's National Medical Center. The debate was moderated by Michael Paglia of Elevate Bio. Okay, so we're going to change gears a little bit now into, uh, into a little bit of a debate session. So uh, we're really fortunate to have a couple of not content experts here, uh, Michael Paglia, and uh, is going to lead us off. Mike, I'm going to give you this mic. All right, I'll find a good spot. So, yeah, so we have a, a bit of a debate about um, something that's near and dear to the the two uh, gentlemen about to approach the stage is uh, manufacturing, so centralized model versus a decentralized model. So I just want to welcome up Boro. He's uh, is the chief scientific officer and general manager at Lent. Um, Boro's pioneering work in lentiviral vector design, construction, as well as the manufacturing is you know a big part of why the field is advancing the way it is. They do excellent work at Lentigen and a lot of that, and most of it has to do with the work that Boros pioneered as well as the teams that he's building. And also I'd like to welcome up Patrick Hanley. He's the director of GMP Immunotherapy and associate professor at Children's National and George Washington University. It's getting in the way. Uh, Patrick also is pioneering a lot of T-cell work, so he's got a lot of ongoing work in, to, on therapies to improve uh, the patient outcomes after stem cell transplant. So his group, as well as leading the manufacturing, is really pioneering some of the T-cell space. He also promoted this uh, debate like a Tyson Fury fight on LinkedIn, <laughs> so we got some hits. <laughs> so gentlemen, uh, you both have, uh, you know, the rules of the debate, and you both have opening statements, so I'll, I'll hand it off to you, Boro, for two minutes, please. Fun working? Yes, great. Decentralized cell manufacturing, such as bone marrow transplantation, has been successfully used in hundreds of tertiary medical centers around the world. While the approved CAR T-cell products are manufactured centrally, many clinical centers are making their own CAR T-cells as investigative products. If we compare the respective workflows, the advantages of decentralized manufacturing becomes apparent. Manufacturing cells are frozen after apheresis at the hospital before being shipped to a centralized facility where they are thawed, manipulated, genetically modified, expanded, and frozen again, shipped back to the hospital where they are thawed a second time for infusion into the patient. When CAR T-cells are made in the hospital, there is no shipping of cells, and they can be manufactured from fresh product and infused fresh back to the patient. This additional shipping loop used in centralized extremely costly, which is part of the reason why these products are priced at such high levels. We also know that a frozen product is not as optimal as a fresh one. Our studies and others have shown that it takes time for a frozen cells to have their antitumor effects upon infusion, while fresh cells have their effects immediately. And this time lag of frozen products may be important for certain patients with advanced disease. It certainly was important for at least one patient in one of our clinical trials. And by using automation, locally made cells can be manufactured and infused in as little as eight days rather than the weeks and sometimes even months seen with centralized manufacturing. 
Finally, a fresh product manufactured locally provides flexibility for dosing not available with a frozen one. If the patient is in dire need, the patient can receive cells immediately fresh off the device. If not, the team can decide to make multiple doses and freeze. If the patient has a high tumor burden, the team can decide to split dose. These are living medicines, and we need to drive towards manufacturing and distribution paradigms that support the best possible outcome for patients and not for any other reason. Thank you, Boro. Patrick, your two minutes opening for Centralized, please. Great, thanks. So while I am representing Children's National Hospital, I am required to disclose that I'm a co-founder on the board of directors of Monotherapeutics. So now that 10 seconds have gone, I want to thank, thank Mike and also Abdul. Um, but I will tell you that as the director of a manufacturing facility at an academic institution, if anyone thought that Decentralized was an option or the option, it would be me. Unfortunately, I just don't think we're there yet for a number of reasons. One of them is I've seen firsthand a product released uh, in uh, passing uh, sterility testing sent to a qualified facility that then subsequently thawed the product, gave it to a patient, and then had a positive sterility result. After investigation, it's most likely from the uh, contamination at the time of um, inoculation and not from the manufacturing. And that, in a nutshell, is why I don't think this is a great idea. Um, I'm not to say that in the future it won't be the future of medicine. Um, you know, when we get these things figured out, please come and find me. Um, I encourage you to keep innovating because I want to. I want to be able to do this. I just don't think we're there, and I don't think we're there for three reasons. And while I did train in Texas, forget those three reasons. That's why I've written them down. Um, so comparability between sites. I think it's difficult to have comparability in my own institution, let alone across the world. Um, two, quality of the product is paramount. So I want to. Make Make sure that it is the utmost quality and not just good enough. And third, I think it's a murky, murky regulatory framework right now for decentralized models. And while that might be applicable in the future, I just don't think that right now there's a model to be able to do that. So at the end of the day, if I'm a patient, I want my product manufactured at a center that does this on a regular basis, multiple times a day, and not just at a, an academic institution that manufacture, manufactures a product once every four months. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Patrick. So the, quest the first question is directed at you, Patrick. So as we all know, the trend is towards shortening the turnaround time for the uh, diagnosis to infusion of these CAR-T therapies. We also know that the shorter time, the shorter cell expansion, expansion capability when they're infused. So given that the hospitals can manufacture fully efficacious CAR-T cells in as little as eight days, and some are trying to shorten that, how can a centralized manufacturing paradigm ever compete with that decentralized model in the future? One sure. Minute. If speed's all that matters, Boro, let's line up here. We'll race. And the winner of the debate is the one who runs across the stage fastest. I don't think that's the case, right? So I think there's more important things than just speed. So what is the transduction if it's a gene-modified product? What is the viability? I think we've all heard a number of times that viability could be important and is a problem for some commercial manufacturers right now. What is the overall quality of that product? I think that's very important. We just talked about that. Uh, what, are, what testing can be done at an academic center or in a distributed model. I know right now that it's challenging for an academic institution to be able to do all of that testing in a validated manner that is required by FDA. I'm not, to, I'm not saying that in the future all of that couldn't be done in an automated fashion. I, I hope we do develop that one day. I just don't think we're there yet. We have companies right now that have specifications that are not being met. These companies have infinite resources. I wish I had those resources available at Children's National. I would tell you that right now. 
but we don't. And so how can we meet those specifications if a company can't? Thank you, Patrick. Borrow. Yeah, um, well, all those product specifications are important. And they come, when I talk about timing, remember, cancer patients are on a timeline. You know, they are progressing. So that's why I think it's one of the key features. Turnaround time is one of the key features of these products. But absolutely, we have to generate products that are of high quality and meet specifications. And quite honestly, we're doing that in our clinical trials. Great. Thank you, Boro. I think we'll go on to the next question, unless you had something to add to that, Patrick. I think it's good. Good, great. So, Boro, um, as you know, there's an inherent variability of products, and demonstrating comparability at one location can be challenging at best. So, how will comparability be demonstrated if the process is decentralized? Yeah, and we are already actually de um, demonstrating such comparability in our decentralized clinical trials. But it relies on, I think, one thing that maybe we've missed here, it really relies on automation. If we're talking about manual, I totally agree. We can't decentralize manual processes. But it's key, but uh, using automation, we can do it, right? And decentralized paradigm relies on automation, where it's the device that's making the product using a closed system. So for our clinical trials, each hospital facility has to use the same type of device, the same materials, and the same reagents. We actually, they have to do that when using our vectors. Also, we require them to use our materials for release testing of the product. And when you do that, you'd be surprised how comparable. In actual fact, what we're finding is, is that um, after a certain amount of time, these sites actually, the level of variability within one, with, between sites approaches that what you see within one site. So you can, we are achieving that right now. Thank you, Boro. Patrick? Yeah, so I think, you know, it is obviously our goal to adhere to procedures as best as we can, and we do that. But at the end of the day, you cannot control every single facet of a process, even with automation. And I think it's, it would be foolish for large conglomerates, these pharmaceutical companies that we all know who I'm referring to, don't use automation and yet still can't reach their viability um, specs. And so I hope you're right. I, you know, again, I, I think I look forward to seeing that data in the, in the near future. Um, but for now, based on all the data I have, I don't think that we have that reproducibility, that comparability data um, to be able to move forward to a decentralized model. Thanks, Patrick. Where do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I just want to tell you is, is that, you know, Moscow, for instance, is very far from our logistical lines. Yet they were able to take our process, take the prodigy, and start making product and start treating patients. So it's, it is possible when everything is more standardized, when the same materials are used, the same devices are used, and it's driving the process. Thank you, Boro. Patrick, a centralized manufacturing paradigm requires the shipping of cells using expensive validated logistics systems and adds tremendous cost to the product, of course. Local manufacturing requires no shipping. It does still require traceability and it dramatically reduces the cost. Why should we continue solely to support a centralized manufacturing when high cost can be avoided by locally manufacturing the cells at the hospital? Mm -hmm. Cost is an issue, there's no doubt about it, and we should absolutely do everything that we can to drive down those costs. I think we're all on board there. Cost of shipment, $1,500, maybe 1% of the total, pro total cost of your manufacturer. I'm not sure that that's gonna make a, a huge difference. A lot of these disposables um, that are upwards of $10,000, $15,000. Um, but I'll take your argument and I'll raise you one. So why would we manufacture our own products at a cost of X when we can use an allogeneic model that divides the cost of that manufacturing across 1,000 products, 1,000 patients, and would be much cheaper than a personalized model? 
Well, if such products, I'll agree with you, if such products prove to be, to produce data that we've seen for autologous CAR T cells, that's certainly worth looking into. But I think the jury is out at this stage. Yeah, I, I think we, there's promising data. I think there's certainly things that need to overcome, but yeah. I think we should certainly consider Algenec as well as an option. Absolutely. We should consider any product distribution and manufacturing paradigms that serves patients the best, yep. no matter what it is. I agree with that. Great. Thanks, guys. So, Boro, um, you, you like this topic very much. The, the concept of a point-of-care device is appealing, but currently the regulatory framework discourages use of these types of manufacturing paradigms unless there's substantial comparability. Is the point-of-care possible given the current regulatory landscape? And is it practical and is it feasible? Mm -hmm. Well, we've actually approached the regulatory authorities and they've been very supportive uh, of our approach and we're working closely with them in a stepwise manner. You know, clearly commercial decentralized manufacturing is not here today and we have work to do and systematically working with the authorities to overcome any hurdles that we may um, occur. Our clinical trials, you know, using this decentralized manufacturing is, is not only feasible, but it has important advantages, right, as I mentioned in my introductory talk. And I, I do believe that, you know, because we're talking about living medicines, I think that makes this paradigm very practical alternative in the future. Yeah, I'll just go back to my comment earlier where, it, you know, even with automation, I think determining comparability and demonstrating comp comparability using statistical methods that would appease FDA, I think, is very challenging. And, and there is a lot of biologic variability. I think we've all seen the Novartis, Kimraya, um, where you have logs difference in the interferon gamma release. I mean, that is the reality of cellular therapy. And so I don't have access to the data that's available for comparability, but, you know, it, it is very challenging. I would be shocked if, if we were able to have, you know, 50 sites that were able to meet that definition of comparability. In, in our case, it's a little bit different. Um, we actually isolate, positively select CD4 and CD8 cells, and we remove away the monocytes. And when you do that, you'd be surprised how robust manufacturing is for these cells. We uh, invariably re uh, reach our target dose, mm -hmm. so we don't have those variability problems. And we've got other things in our process that we've worked um, iteratively on in order to improve it. And to I just wonder if it's beyond one company and whether, you know, decentralized. I think it's one thing. We're all learning. We're all learning. It's, it's this is the stuff that we're talking about. Others are now doing it as well mm -hmm. and learning from that as well. I mean, the approved products are, are one generation behind. Right. Mm -hmm. They need to catch up. Right. So something very similar, similar topic and question, Patrick. For the centralized manufacturing, the apheresis product is frozen prior to shipping to the manufacturing facility. So as Boro opened up, sort of the stability of those cells, the efficacy, the potency of those cells potentially changes. So why should we continue to solely support the centralized manufacturing paradigm in the context of a patient, I mean, a, a product uh, potency? Boro, there's this company, it's called Kyliad for about $12 billion, you might have heard of it. They don't freeze their apheresis product. That's a perfectly viable method. Um, another argument that I would want to make is, uh, where are my notes here? Sorry about that. <laughs> um, oh, no. I can't read my chicken scratch. That's a good argument, though. 
Oh, yes, that's right. Sorry. So um, as you're familiar with, in molecular therapy last year, David Stronchek's lab at the Center for Cellular Engineering, formerly the DTM, published a paper where they looked at all of their clinical trials using fresh and, fresh and frozen crowd-preserved <laughs> CAR T-cell products. And while they demonstrated that there was a difference in the in vitro um, gene using by microwave of those cells, uh, they did discover or they did demonstrate that in vivo there was no clinical difference in terms of efficacy for fresh versus frozen apheresis or CAR T cell products. Thanks, Patrick. Good find. <laughs> Borrow. Yeah, um, our studies have shown that there is a delay in in, in the um, in the uh, you know the uh, efficacy of these cells once they go into the patient. Yeah. Really? Is there a COI? Yeah. What? Was there a COI there? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Mm. But no. I think there's conflicting studies, so. Yep. And certainly product-specific as well. So. Yep. So, uh, Bora, benefits of centralized manufacturing that uh, is the process when it inevitably evolves and changes, you can quickly transfer, qualify, and implement. However, with the decentralized manufacturing, each site has to be retained, requalified, re-implemented every single process. So what makes this feasible? The question seems to indicate that the personnel at hospitals are somehow less qualified or less able to implement new processes. On the contrary, I've visited numerous of these clinical cell processing facilities, and personnel there are very capable to implement new processes very quickly when there's the will and the resources to do so. And with automation, there is actually much less training involved than with manual processes, since the machine that is doing the work and mostly is a program that is readily updated on a device. There is a little bit of training, but it's much less than manual manufacturing. So I don't see any major disadvantage um, with decentralized sites in this regard. Yep. Yeah, so I agree with Boro. I think, you know, at the end of the day, if someone's willing to learn and you're, you have the time to train them, then you can train them to do anything you want to do, including decentralized manufacturing. The issue I have is that these people are not 100% dedicated T-cell products. Oftentimes, these are facilities that are doing stem cell transplants during the day and moonlighting, trying to learn how to make CAR T-cells at night. So these conflicting areas make it challenging to do training. Um, There are certainly a number of academic sites that can do these trials. My my institution is one of them, and there's, you know, Crystal has one and a lot of these others. But that takes a lot of dedicated expertise and training, and there's not a lot of overlap uh, in terms of manufacturing stem cell products with these more than minimally manipulated products. I can also tell you that there is an email listserv of the small, cell, cell, small stem cell lab where people say, hey, we want to set up a CAR T-cell program. Do you guys have any recommendations? And that... Can I just say something? Sure, go ahead. Um, as demand increases for these CAR T-cell products, there will be more dedicated personnel, right? That's yeah, still going to be a challenge not, at yeah. the hospitals as well. You're right, yeah. So, Patrick, uh, when hospitals receive calls from centralized manufacturing sites, their role is to ready the patient, infuse, thaw and infuse the product, and then monitor for safety and efficacy in any adverse events. They have little control of the manufacturing process, its administration. With decentralized manufacturing, hospital staffs may have the option, such as fresh versus frozen, dose splitting. So is decentralized, therefore, preferable since the hospital team would actually be able to take better care and make clinical decisions? In the room, use an iPhone, right? I think it's probably more than half. And I think the reason is because nobody wants to have to write a code in order to use their iPhone. It's similar for the CAR T-cells. We don't have the expertise to manufacture and and personalize and and customize these CAR T-cells. We need somebody to spoon-feed it to us and deliver to the patient. 
And it's up to them to determine what the most efficacious way to do that is. It's up to them to, to provide that data to FDA to review and approve so that we can make sure that it's safe, that it has the utmost quality. You know, we don't want people to be customizing these products. I think we're already trying to prevent rogue stem cell clinics from taking stem cells and putting them into the cheek and every other body part that people to be customizing these cells because they are not doing it using the right regulatory framework and it's dangerous. That's not the customization I'm talking about. I'm talking about options that are necessary based on the patient's profile. If the patient has a high tumor burden and you want to dose, split dose, that's better for the patient. That's what I'm talking about. No, I, I think these sorts of, of ideas are, are great, but they need to be done in a regulated setting Absolutely. where they're being tested and not just, you know, this is my gut feeling. Right. Uh, Thanks, no, guys. I'll use data. So, uh, Boro, as the three of us know well and the audience can appreciate, there's significant uh, dearth of qualified staff to manufacture and oversee cell therapy product manufacturing, quality testing. As you know, there's a regulated approach that you need to train and the knowledge has to be retained and, and transferred. Staff can certainly be trained, but how can we ensure that a principal investigator or a stem cell laboratory has sufficient knowledge and training capabilities to manufacture these, these, these products or even clinical trials? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a blossoming field and supporting staff for these products are needed. But a decentralized manufacturing model leans on automation, right, for its manufacturing process, limiting the number of staff and the amount of training that is needed to support such an effort when compared to centralized manual methods. So while you may need two to three trained people to manufacture CAR T cell product at any one time at a central, we have shown that actually one trained staff member can manage four to five automated prodigies providing oversight at a single time, which I think you'll agree, Patrick, Mm -hmm. um, considerably is a saving in terms of labor and training. Patrick? I think there's more to it than just a staff member. You know, that staff member is not going to be running to the clinic to, to deal with CRS and things like that, which you would have to deal with a commercial product. But with investigational products, there's additional risk that needs to be happen, uh, needs to be taken into account. And so I think that is where I would focus is, you know, I agree with the automation piece, but, you know, are there principal investigators, are there regulatory or um, staff who are ready and willing to deal with the additional centralized model. And, and since we don't often see that model, I, I don't know the answer to that, but that would be my concern. And I know that um, there is a shortage of, of physician scientists and, and, that, and the like in the, in the field. Just one quickie. Go ahead, Bar. Um, Actually, why don't you look, roll it into your closing statement? We have- Oh, okay. So I'll mention <laughs> and, then we'll, and then we'll open it up for maybe one, I'll one question. I'll mention in my, I've got a part of this in, yeah. in my closing statement. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> the benefits of local decentralized manufacturing are clear. Lower cost, shorter turnaround times, and a dosing flexibility for physicians to better treat their patients. The key to enabling, enabling decentralized manufacturing is automation, where devices are the one products. Clinical trial results from hospitals making their own CAR T cells are extremely encouraging. In a pediatric CAR-19 trial in Moscow, 90% of the patients had a complete or partial response. In an adult CAR-19 trial in Cleveland, 82%. In a clinical trial using a bispecific CAR targeting CD19 and CD20 in Milwaukee, 88%. And in all these trials, the rate of CRS and ICANS was almost exclusively less than or equal to grade 2. 
We are currently working with over 100 clinical centers around the world to enable them to make their own CAR T cells for their patients. And these include places like India, Southeast Asia, Africa, and Latin America. Manufacturing has served the field well up to this time with approved products that have made tremendous difference to the lives of many patients. But this does not mean that we should become stagnant and not pursue even better models for making these remarkable therapies more broadly available to patients. While decentralized local CAR T cell manufacturing is not commercially available today, we and others are driving a path so that it will become a reality tomorrow. And it is not just us who see this future. Many physicians want the control and flexibility that local manufacturing affords so they can provide better care for their patients. I conclude that decentralized manufacturing is not only feasible, but will become the practical alternative if we want to reduce cost, treat patients with shorter turnaround times, and allow physicians to have the dosing flexibility needed to optimally treat their patients. Thank you, Boro. Patrick? Yeah, I think Boro makes many good points. And um, I think I'd like nothing more than a year and, and report on my results and whether I've been converted or not. Um, but unfortunately, given the data that's available in the public and, and in my expertise, you know, I still feel like as a, as a facility director at an academic institution, I am much more comfortable with a commercialized product that's been reviewed by FDA um, and I have a prescription for than a model where I'm hoping I'm doing um, the right testing. I, I, I am hoping that the quality of the product is, is as good or better than my option. And so I, I leave you with the thought that I le uh, began with. You know, if you were to get a CAR T cell product, would you want it manufactured occasionally by a hospital? Or do you want something that's been favorably, favorably, favorably reviewed by not only FDA, but EMA, uh, TGA in Australia, and a number of other regulatory agencies worldwide? Thank you, Patrick. I think we have time for one question. So, <clears throat> the single greatest barrier today to acceptance of these therapies is their cost. And, you know, centralized manufacturing, the biggest argument should be because you have an economy of scale right. and you should be able to drive down cost. Yep. But right now, we're paying between 400 and 470, 373 and 475 for one of those products. So, my question is which of these is going to be cheaper? Is decentralized going to be cost, costed at, at $473,000? Because that's going to change the argument a lot. Mm -hmm. And if centralized is going to be more expensive, why? Well, our goal is to make it, at, at, like Carl said, at a, at a tenth of the cost. That is our goal. Um. I think you have a good argument, and there's a reason why the commercial CAR T cell companies are not doing as well as we had anticipated, is because trials that offer potentially similar results, um, of course, they're investigational. Um, but I think the question is not just about money. Of course, we all want to drive down the cost, but what if that product doesn't work? Right? Does it matter what it costs if it doesn't work? Um, not to say that the decentralized model won't work, but we, we have to keep money in the argument if we don't know whether both of them are efficacious or not. Great. We're out of time, unfortunately. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate it very much. Oh, go one more? OK. Well, mine will be provocative. Um, so this just strikes me as the fox in charge of the hen house. Um, in, in these localities, I know a lot of physicians. I've worked in famous hospitals. The ethics there are all of the rest of capitalism. Thank you. And is, is the FDA looking at every one of these sites the way they look at industry? I don't think so. Do they have the personnel to? 
Like I said, we're on a trajectory working with the FDA and the clinical sites. Is it happening now? No, it's, it's, we're working towards it, absolutely. We're in clinical trials at the moment. We're working um, with many sites in clinical trials. It is not here today. We're working towards for it to enable it for tomorrow. But to your point, if it is a decentralized model that is approved, what does that look like? And I don't think that we have a regulatory framework for that yet. Today, there's no regulatory framework. We're working with the regulatory authorities to help make one. And I think that's, that's great. Thanks, Boro. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the podcast from the IO360 2020 conference. The next IO360 meeting will take place virtually February 23rd through 26, 2021. For more information, visit www.io360summit.com.